become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. Everybody, it is time for Entertainment Landfill News with the Jstrom and PCZ Steven as the Beaver. You're listening to Entertainment Landfill. Film, television, pop culture. It's where you find it. The Jstrom. Nice to make your acquaintance. If you're listening for the first time, this show is a podcast about film, television, pop culture, video games. We talk about all sorts of cool stuff we really like. Stinking nerds. <laughs> and they just turned it off. <laughs> I don't do the show alone. I also do it with Stephen the Pop Culture Zelly. What's happening? Hello, Stephen. How's it going? Fantastic. It's so great to see you here, Stephen. Yeah! People are so happy to see you, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen, awesome. are you happy to be here? Yes, I'm. Yeah, yeah, all right. I'm happy to be here too, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, do you want to talk about what happened as soon as you got here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the stupidity! Oh, good times. No, no, no. It's a. There's no way. We could have predicted this in any way. You told me what kind it was. I was looking on Amazon, and I was going, ooh, I might order this. Okay? Um, Steven bought a new headset. 3.5 millimeters uh, that we need to hook up to the uh, old computer here. We've both been using the same headset for years. Mm -hmm. Years and years. Um, So you thought, hey, I'll pick up a new one. Right. First thing we discover... Plug it in. Plug it in, and the music I'm playing is, like, super loud in the ears. I can hear it in the restroom. Yeah, you can hear it coming through, like, the, the uh, what do you call them, the cans, like it's two speakers sitting on my desk or something. And I was like, dude, where's the volume control on this headset, Steven? Can't find a volume control anywhere, can we? No. 
The only thing I can do is turn it down on my computer so it doesn't blow your ears out, right? Right. Not only that, I decide I better test this mic before we go live, uh-huh. which I'm glad I did. Otherwise, I would have been going, hello. You know, but nobody would have heard anything. You would have heard me, I been, but nobody else would have. Tumbleweed blows by. It, the, I guess the headset draws so much power that it canceled my mic out. And it doesn't, we hear nothing. Right. Which is strange as hell. I had no idea it drew power like that. That's crazy. I have a my sound card I got specifically because it's powered, so it should have enough power to power two headsets like it does you and me all the time. But that right. thing must draw some serious wattage or something. I don't know how it works, but it draws some serious power, am I right? Right. So I was kind of like, dude, what the hell? Steven, I'm sorry, but we need to unplug this and hook up your old headset. So I do, and hey, we're here. We're hey. back on two headsets. Steven, are you bummed out about that? Are you kind of because I put them on and they sounded great? Yeah. Did you test them at home on your laptop or something? Or no, no. Or your I, phone? I, I I think they came in last Sunday. And I unboxed them, looked at them, like, ooh, these would be great. And I didn't look at the cord. I was like, I looked at it and go, oh, that'll be long enough. Right. Um, it'd be a nice long cord. And Yeah, uh, nice long cord. It's heavy-duty cord, too. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's like a professional headset thing, like they wear on uh, football broadcasts or something, you know? So. But apparently, you would think even because it's it's not like thick xlr cable like for a heavy a, a professional microphone like this is 3.5 millimeter jack so you could plug that into your phone and listen to music right right have you tried that no i haven't does it go and your phone just turns <laughs> off it's like holy crap this thing's a black hole of power suckage it probably would or something like that but anyway uh what did we say back to the drawing board yep are you gonna send it back was it amazon order yeah it was amazon Oh, I've sent things back to Amazon. It's actually pretty easy if you keep the packaging. You can go on to your thing and I've they... i got the original box that it came in, but not okay. the shipping box from Amazon. They'll send you a postage slip or whatever, a return okay. slip, if you want to return it. Like I've, I've actually tried to order Heather jewelry before. Right. Never. Like, I've gotten her necklace... Like, tied around her neck, can't breathe. I'm like, okay, I should not order jewelry on Amazon. It's so stupid. Uh, I learned my lesson the hard way. I've done everything wrong once. I remember one year I ordered her shoes on Amazon. Did they fit when we got them? No. Had to send them back. It's really, I know, like, they sell clothes on Amazon, but it's like, dude, come on. It's not going to fit. How is it going to fit? They even send you. You can print out a little foot thing that go, but uh, where to tells it tells you how big your foot is, so you can order it when you go online. But how many times have you noticed different shoes, different brands? Do they follow a universal foot size? Seriously, no. Like I will wear size twelve of one shoe, size thirteen and a half of another brand. They don't all go by that same size. Am I right? No. So uh, there's no way to do it. But guys, we are here to talk about all sorts of 
cool news and stuff. But, Stephen, uh, we haven't talked about this at all since it started, but let's talk about Twin Peaks. Um, the reason I want to talk about Twin Peaks is um, this most recent episode... I was like, okay, I'm watching something special. I mean, the previous episodes had, I mean, it. this revival has been far from like the old Twin Peaks. It's been very strange. And most of all, it's been very funny. Has it not? Yeah. It's been hilarious. Certain scenes, they're just so awkward. Dougie, uh, <laughs> hilarious character. I read some some people's comments about it. They're very impatient. They're sick of the Dougie storyline. I'm like, guys, 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 you got to just take it as it comes. This is... I got a little impatient with it. I'll say so <laughs> myself. I mean... Are, like, you, are you ready for him to be uh, old Cooper again? Um, I know people just want to... It doesn't have to s- do that, but I mean... Sometimes it lingers a little. Oh, where, are they, where are they going with this? The previous episode a week ago, there was a scene where I'm shit you not, a guy was sweeping for about five minutes. Do you remember that? Right. He's just shh, 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 shh. Yeah, I think. And I start laughing and all the time Heather goes, what's so funny? And I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, uh, there's nothing else to do but laugh, you know, because right. it's so, the weird ike the spike guy yeah it was disturbing as shit was it not but at the same time that thing is like squeeze his hand off (laughs) (laughs) and like what was it is was his fingers get squeezed off or something i don't but then like a piece piece of his flesh was stuck to it there's been times several times on the revival where i've been kind of grossed out by things like (laughs) oh you know the disturbing thing with a kid getting run over. There will be like funny stuff, weird stuff. The thing with the gold shovels. You're like, why is he spray painting the gold shovels? <laughs> then they reveal why. And it's hilarious. It's a great payoff to it. Uh, but then something really disturbing will happen. And then it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, uh, but then this most recent episode was beyond anything that we could have imagined. There was like, what, no dialogue for probably 40 minutes. Yeah, the when it first started, there's uh, there's Evil Cooper, or Dark Cooper, you know, the doppelganger. Yes. He's driving with that guy, Ray, and he needs something from Ray, and Ray wants money, and he goes, drive off-road, and they're driving in the middle of nowhere, and it's kind of creepy. And then he, uh, <laughs> I'm laughing at the dog. She's so, she wants out so bad, but I'm not going to let her out. Uh, he thinks he's got the drop on Ray, but Ray has the drop on him and he shoots him. And immediately these guys that we've seen before, they almost look like shadow creatures. Of yeah. They're sort. like, they look like hobos or something, yeah. but they're all like, like the ones before look like charred hobos, like they're all covered in soot or something. But these, it looks like at different shots, like they're projecting them on just uh, footage yeah. from uh, a projector on the. But then they kind of manifest as like solid and they're like doing stuff to Cooper's body, like pulling things out of him, rubbing blood all over him. <laughs> And there's like, there's just weird sounds and weird moody music. And you're just kind of like watching it for a long time. And I'm just like, okay, what? And Heather, it's so, it's so funny. She'll, a lot of times when something's creeping her out, she'll reach over and just want to hold my hand (laughs) because she's so creeped out about it. 
So then it. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what does he have? Did he have on the warden to get him out of prison? You know? Yeah, something about Mr. Strawberry. And he's yeah. like worried about that. So Cooper, the evil Cooper, the doppelganger, he. These guys are messing with him. That guy, Ray, gets up. He waits way too long to get up and leave, doesn't he? Yeah. He's just like, oh, oh. And then finally he gets up, drives away, and he calls somebody. And he's like, uh, and I think uh, the guy he's talking to, it's the David Bowie character from uh, Fire Walk With Me. Fire Walk With Me. But David Bowie's no longer with us. So I don't know what they're going to do with that. I may be wrong about that. But he's like. I thought I killed him, but he may have some help or something like that. So he knows something's going on. That's weird, okay? Well, I mean, this was filmed a while ago. They could have still had David Bowie in it. It's true. The, a, a lot of this cast have passed on. The, yeah. You know, that they, Miguel, Miguel Fair, for, the log lady. Uh, just there's been a lot of people who've, who are no longer with us that filmed this revival, which is awesome, which is amazing. This is their last work. And... At times, I could see how this episode would grate on people's nerves. Like when the atomic bomb, they show that, and then it zooms in. For a long time, you're don't just say, seeing... Don't say zooms in. It slowly... And then you're like, kind of a 2001 thing there. And it, like, what, it, follow, it seems like it follows a smoke trail of some sort. <laughs> or... The part where I was like, okay, what the hell is going on is when they show like the convenience store and like... And just like things, like a strobe effect. And I'm like, okay, how long has this been going on for? Holy crap. And uh, I can see how some people was like, what is this crap? I'm turning this off or whatever. And then it goes back to that strange castle yeah. in the middle of the ocean, the, some water, and the giant guy. Yeah. He's there. Uh, I was like, oh, that dude's still alive because I had no I idea. I thought he had passed. Yeah, me too. I thought he died a long time ago. Not and oh, that those scenes are beautiful. The cinematography, like this old-fashioned black and white. And then he's got this... He pro- start, like starts a, raising and a projection comes uh, out of his head. Yes, like <laughs> there's like a, a movie screen where you see what he what happened played over again. I'm like, do we have to watch it again? <laughs> <laughs> and the girl comes over, a ball comes out of his head like an orb. And inside the orb is Laura Palmer's right. face. And I was like, whoa. And then she puts it in this, that rises up in this contraption and kind of remind me of Inside Out, the Pixar movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> it kind of launches towards the screen and it goes towards Earth. And it's kind of like, okay. And a couple of times I said out loud, what are you trying to tell us? <laughs> what what is What am I supposed to be getting here? <laughs> Please tell me. And then it goes to Earth in the 50s. And you see this egg hatch, and I don't know what the hell that thing is. <laughs> I'm, like, disturbed by it. It looks like a frog, looks like a cockroach, some kind of insect, but it looks like a cross between an insect and a frog, right? Right. And its legs are disturbingly human-like, yeah. kind of. And you see this boy and girl, he's walking her home, and it's... um, It's... Okay. Their first kiss. It's the first date. Yeah, and it's really sweet. And it's like this Is that old Twin Peaks like the like back in the day or is it some other place? I don't, I don't know. know. 
but then this we the weird people from the atomic blast i don't know they what's funny is we have closed captioning on all the time heather and i watch it with a lot of shows and when the guy talks the creepy guy who looks like Abe Lincoln with a cigarette. He goes, got a light. Yeah. It says Woodsman, and yeah. he's saying it. And later on, you saw in the credits that his name is Woodsman. But I was like, Woodsman? Woodsman? Why is he the Woodsman? What? What's going on? He's like, got a light. Got a light. And uh, these this couple on the road, the only sensible people, I think, where he's like, get the hell out of here. He just drives away. I could see in back in the fifties, you're courteous. You're like, "Are you okay, sir?" And the guy comes up. He's like, "Got a light," and he's like, "Too weird." I was like, "I'm getting out of here," and he drives away. Paint goes back to the young girl who's fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, I skipped over the fact that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the nine inch nails. <laughs> did you like the nine yeah. inch nails? And did you notice in the end credits it said the in quotations yeah. nine inch nails? I thought it was, funny. it was like an old person would like. Yeah. Oh, it's the nine inch nails. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. They perform an entire song. Yes. And uh, oh my god, it was such a bizarre hour of television, wasn't it? <laughs> and um, that weird guy, he goes to a radio station. And he grabs a lady by a head and <laughs> her head explodes, disintegrates her brain her or something. Implodes or whatever. Yeah, and then he goes into the guy, the DJ, and he starts talking and he delivers this weird message. Yeah, very cryptic message. Disturbing scene, and he just keeps saying it over and over again. And you see people in the town when they hear it, they pass out. And the little girl who walk got walked home, she passes out on her bed. And you see that weird frog thing come up on her wind windowsill, and her mouth opens up and it crawls in her mouth. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then finally, did, did this scene go on way too long of him crushing the guy's head and blood yeah. gushing out? And I was just like, dude. And there were so many times where we we'll be eating, and Heather goes, "You want to watch Twin Peaks?" I go. I'm going to finish eating before I watch this show. I never know what's going to happen. And that was a good call. Even like though it was black and white. crap for watch, not watching it live. <laughs> Sorry. But um, what did you think of that hour? Of t- Remember, didn't I, I texted you. I go, Stephen, have you watched Twin Peaks yet? Because I... It, I was what I, I was trying to you tell back you after I watched it. Need a light <laughs> because <laughs> it wasn't. This was different than the previous episodes we'd seen. This was yeah. beyond like just bizarre as hell. Like I was like, "What the hell did we just watch? What was that?" And I was I was like, "What what is David Lynch trying to tell us? What is it here?" Because I do think there's a method to his madness. I do think he's uh, I like when he's at his most bizarre, but also I like the fact that it can also be disturbing too. Like for instance, uh, Eraserhead, I do think is incredibly hard to watch. It's a very hard watch and very moody and atmospheric and can be disturbing too. And just like, it will test your patience like nothing you've ever seen before. (laughs) And this episode reminded me of like, there was a lot of Eraserhead. 
online that it was a lot like racer or the, reminding people of Eraser. Just the long monotonous scenes and yeah. I was just waiting it out to see what would happen. But I was intrigued, my curiosity. I just I wanted to know you know what was going on. Um was there a payoff for you or not yet? Um for that episode. I I think so. I was the main thing I was bummed than, out about is it said in two weeks. I was like, "What?" <laughs> like I couldn't wait to see what happened next after that. And then it's a two-week break, Fourth of July week. But do you agree? Like the previous Twin Peaks that took place on ABC, they had to have moments where characters are talking, a scene, dialogue, an establishing shot, and all that. But on this version, uh, David Lynch doesn't have to do any of that. He doesn't have to follow any rules. There's no way in hell he could have done this episode on ABC. They would have canceled the show the next day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they would have never aired it and, in the first place. And I, there was one comment somebody wrote. He goes, the president of Showtime is going, what the hell did I just <laughs> <laughs> There are some very funny comments where uh, one was like, uh, David Lynch just blew all... TV recappers minds like how the hell am I going to recap this episode <laughs> kind of a thing and uh oh my god it was it was unique something you don't see on television anymore and that's what I liked about it I do think you know this season has been bizarre and everything but it's been very entertaining I love how certain people will show up out of nowhere like Tom Sizemore. I was like, holy shit, is that Tom yeah, Sizemore? That's what I did. Too. Oh, it is, it's, it's, I've seen you. Yeah. So, who, anybody's seen him in anything? And uh, David Keckner showed up for a brief scene, yeah. which I thought was funny. Um, but oh, Naomi Watts is great. Doggy! You know, she's yelling at him. I just, the kid, the kid's name, Sonny Jim. Go say goodnight to Sonny Jim. I always laugh. Sonny Jim. It's like the goofiest name. <laughs> and Sonny Jim is so bizarre. Like, he just laughs at everything Dougie does. And is there anything funnier than when Dougie has to go to the bathroom? He has to go pee. He just goes. He doesn't know what to do. And they're like, Dougie, do you have to go to the bathroom? I always, I just wonder, like, what the hell was Dougie like? before because everyone treats him like well that's dougie oh that crazy dougie you know because his behavior is so bizarre but no one goes what the hell is wrong with this guy they just go along with it which is funny isn't it and even the security guard is like uh, no loitering buddy and he's like badge he needs to touch his badge no no, no don't touch no loitering you better be gone when i come back <laughs> It's just, uh, it's been so funny. And the Mr. Jackpot scene, how funny was that? Yeah. Hello. Hello. And he hits the jackpot every time. And I notice he has some ability where. It points to whatever's going to win. <laughs> the funniest part, because of the. But it also did the same thing with, uh, what's his name? Ike the, Sp Ike the Spike. Mm-hmm. It pointed over him, let him know it was bad. So yeah. He, well, have you noticed this technology? Any computer screen or smartphone screen is has nothing to do with reality, the way computers work. Like, they show uh, Evil Cooper going, Ch -ch -ch -ch, and all these boxes come up, and it will say stuff. And it's like no computer that exists on the planet. Right. And there was even a part where he goes, 
our car has got a tracking device. He pulls out his phone. He's going, doo, 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 and he goes, and he transfers like whatever tracking device there is to a truck in front of them. And he goes, all right, that takes care of that. I'm like, what the hell just happened? It's <laughs> like, it, it's like nothing in reality. Is it? It's so funny and weird. Do you think now, do you think David Lynch doesn't understand technology uh, enough? I think they, or... I think they don't have to follow any rules. I think it's just like we can do whatever we want. It may make sense to them, but it doesn't have to make sense to us. You know what I mean? But like how, you know, when all the computer shows we talk, you know, we watch, you know, well, I've hacked the mainframe, you know, yeah, yeah. it's like. It's it's that in David Lynch world. Yes, and, and he, they do it in a much more interesting way, which I think is funny. Yeah, uh, I like it. It's because it's so ridiculous. It, it cracks me up. How did they transfer the data from this vehicle? Like, even way back in the first episode, that weird clear box where a guy's paid just to watch it. Yeah, watch to see if something comes through there. And then he starts having sex with that girl and something does show up and it kills them. And it's like, what the hell? And then the box is back to normal. And then later, uh, Cooper shows up and he's floating in the box and looking around. And it's before they were ever killed yeah. to begin with. Just bizarre as hell. So strange. My favorite line is uh, Dougie. Whoever Cooper is, he's inhabiting the body of Dougie. Or everyone thinks he's Dougie. Dougie's actually gone now. His head popped and he became a little orb thing. <laughs> but he was with a prostitute named Jade. And I love when his wife, Naomi Watts, goes, Who's Jade? And he goes, Jade gave me two rides. And she goes, Oh, I bet she did. <laughs> That's so funny. Gave me two rides. <laughs> It's so funny. I The show is so strange and goofy, but it cracks me up so much. It's so strange. <laughs> the dog wants out so But I mean, even, even in Wild at Heart, there were some of those weird scenes yes. like that. Yeah. That, uh, you know, the, uh, the queen appears, you know, and... Mm-hmm. Sailor, yeah, sailor. Yeah. Uh, the My Dog Barks, um, just yeah. strange things happen. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do a Polo, Texas stuff. <laughs> Wild at Heart's probably my favorite movie that he's done. Me too. There's sometimes that I... It's almost like David Lynch stuff has to... Something... I don't know. I've just... Something has to grab onto me. Sometimes it does it. Sometimes it does. But so far, this Twin Peaks has really intrigued me. I was... Heather was watching the first two seasons, like, gearing up for this. Yeah. But she would watch the episodes whenever they'd air on Showtime, too. So I'd see multiple times, and I'd go, Heather, come on. We're overdosing on Twin Peaks. And when it came on, I thought it was very interesting that it was nothing like previous twin peaks right it, sure it takes place in twin peaks but he's well, it, he's it's only slightly a twin peak yeah well what about that michael sarah as 
Brando. What is it? Wally Brando. Wally Brando. And he's talking like Marlon Brando. Yeah. And he's saying all these crazy things. And Robert Forrester, there's just a long scene of him looking at him. And he no reaction at all. He's just stone-faced. And I just start laughing because it's so goofy. <laughs> there's a great scene with Robert Forrester, too, where his wife comes in and she's yelling about the car. And, you know, they, you said they My fixed it. My father's car. Yeah, she's going on and on. And they just show Robert Forrester and he just looks at her. And he doesn't say a word. <laughs> And it's just like, he has to put up with this crap, you know? It's so strange and funny, but I'm loving it. And there's 10 episodes left. There's 18, and that was the eighth episode. I didn't realize how many there were. What could possibly happen (laughs) on these 10 episodes? That eighth one was just like, what? And then we have 10 more episodes? Is there any more like that one in his head? Well, it... Will it drive you nuts if they don't get to Cooper, old Cooper, back eventually? It, he'll get back. I mean, he has to. I love those scenes with... Well, I guess he don't with, with Lynch. Yeah, yeah. I was loving the scenes but, with Cooper in prison where he was talking like this. Nice to see you. <laughs> he's just like... He sounds so creepy and everything. Oh, what about the weird thing where he gets a phone call and he dials something and everything starts going crazy in yeah. the prison? He's like, what is he doing? And he can manipulate things in everything, the real world. Yeah. And, and the so thing- it, it blocked out all the recording so he could have his conversation without being recorded. Right. And the thing is, like, in the original series bob was just like this entity that like would possessed uh what's his name leland leland palmer yeah that's it and he would possessed him and he was killing people through him right right so he's some kind of entity that can possess people and now he's possessing cooper but they split in half which you know everybody knows that but i'm just trying to like decipher what's going on I think that he can't die until he, he has to get to the Black Lodge before you can kill him or something. I don't, but it's so funny because sometimes uh, Dougie Cooper, you know, the version, he'll look down and see that guy going, Wake up! <laughs> He's in the Black you Lodge. You have to wake You have to you wake up! <laughs> it's so funny and goofy because they're, they're, it's just superimposed. It's not like these dramatic effects or yeah. anything. And it's just got. A lot of character, I think, and that's why I love it. And then they're all cut to the the um, the Bang Bang Bar, or yeah. Bang Bang Club. What is it called? Yeah. Uh, and then the music. A, a band a, will play. A band will play. The first couple of episodes, a band would play at the very end, and then end credits. So then, when it, uh, the third episode, they cut to there, and Heather was like, "No, I don't want to end yet." But then it kept going for a while. So he's kind of playing with that. Like this, he was like right at the beginning, it goes to the Nine Inch Nails playing. Uh, I like that he's working in band performances every episode. It's very interesting and strange. I don't know what else to say other than I'm loving it and uh, I can't wait to see more. Um, Yeah. Anything else to say, Steven? Got a light? <laughs> It's like, no, I don't have a light. Oh, I'm out of here, dude. I saw some people on Twitter go, just give the guy a light. <laughs> I think he would be in an atomic explosion or something. He has radiation on him or something, doesn't he? <laughs> so strange. But, uh, Steven, uh, I went to go see Baby Driver with Emma. 
Without me. Without you. I'm very sorry. I was supposed to see you with Heather, too. But I... I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. I will be going to see it with you and Heather tomorrow, right? Right. One thing you must know, it's not in the XD theater because uh, Despicable Me is in the big theater. Right. Which is a bummer. Uh, The sound was fine. It's just in a smaller theater. It kind of sucks that it's in a smaller theater. I figured... I didn't think it was going to be in an XD anyway. I just hate when... We can't see whatever we want in the biggest theater. Yeah. You know what I mean? What's funny is Despicable Me, uh, the second one, Despicable Me 2, had incredible 3D. I saw that with Emma when she was little. Uh, and the 3D was amazing. Even at the very end credits, they do all these crazy 3D stuff and it just blows you away. I saw that at the Cinemark, none of the showings in XD are in 3D. It's in a smaller theater if you want to see it in 3D. I guess they're like, kids don't like 3D. I don't know how they're doing this, but it's really being pissing me off. The, the 3D's been the latest show. Yeah, like, oh, we'll, we'll show it in 3D at 10, 10, 30, 11. It's like, no, asshole, show it at 7. But I guess the only they, ones they'll do 3D is probably going to be Marvel. Somebody at Cinemark they didn't because they did. Uh, yeah, they no, they don't. They didn't do it with, with uh, Guardians. Guardians of the Galaxy, and they probably won't do it with Spider Man too. We'll probably be going to see Spider Man Homecoming right. at ten thirty or something. But who is making this decision that it can't be in 3D at prime time? You know, seven o'clock, seven thirty showing. Do every other one. It's Whatever. really annoying. Yeah. I wonder if they're like, well, people don't want to pay the prices. Yeah, they do. They'll go see them, but maybe they don't. I don't know. But anyway, I do want to talk Baby Driver with you after you see the film. I will say it's awesome. It's a you know, it's an Edgar Wright film. We've been excited about it. It is uh, worth the wait, the uh, anticipation for it. It's a lot of fun. It's an Edgar Wright movie, and Baby's really excited about it. It's funny, I wanted to take a picture of, you know, my beagle, our dog, is named Baby, in our car at the steering wheel and take a picture of her and say, the real baby driver. And I haven't tried it yet. I know she won't do it. I'm going to Heather laying down the floorboard, like holding her up, like, okay, take that picture. (laughs) Put peanut butter on the steering wheel. Yeah. (laughs) The real baby driver. But it's it's an awesome film and the use of music and everything, but I don't... I'm very excited to talk about it, but I don't want to spoil anything for you. Good. <laughs> Where, when you saw it on Facebook, were you like, what the son of a One thing I will say, Emma had no idea what it was. She, I go, Emma, we, will you go see Baby Driver with me? She goes, no, I don't know what that is. I was like, oh, come on. So finally I showed her the trailer and she goes, oh, okay, I'll go see this. it. It's rated R. Okay. And she said, I thought it was like literally a baby driving or something. And I go, why would I want to see that movie? <laughs> Did you think it was Baby Boss? That movie with Alec Baldwin as a baby or something? Like the sequel, Baby Driver, Baby Boss Driver. So at the end of the movie, she said, thank you for asking me to come see this because I loved it. And I was like, oh, that's great. Because it's for the F-bombs, basically. Yeah, Because yeah. there's a lot of, you know... F words in there and MF or whatever. No, I just didn't know if there was violence or yeah. There's some violence in there, but it's nothing. I mean, we've seen so much worse violence. I think it's merely for the f bombs. Seriously, 
Um, Stephen, do you want to get into some news? Yes, sir. <clears throat> I wanted to start off the show with Summer 2017 TV Preview. Woohoo! And I hope you have a certain news story that I saw earlier. I'm not going to say until later. Okay. Well, this is, it's now July on this list of shows that are premiering. One of them is called Snowfall on FX. It premieres on July 5th. Snowfall is a one-hour drama set against the infancy of crack cocaine, the epidemic, following numerous characters on a violent collision course, including Franklin Saint. Oh, my God. What's going on? A young street entrepreneur on a quest for power, Gustavo El Oso, a Mexican wrestler caught up in a power struggle with a crime family, Teddy McDonald. A CIA operative running from a dark past who begins an off-book operation to fund a Nic- the Nicaraguan Contras. Dude, Lucia Villanueva, the self-possessed daughter of a Mexican crime lord. So this is all about the rise of crack. Right. Yeah. How messed up is that? I don't know if I can watch this. Well, let's get some cocaine. No, don't do it. <laughs> Next is Castlevania, based on the video game, Steven. Check this out. It airs on Netflix. It premieres on July 7th. Four 30-minute episodes. Whoa, four episodes? That's short. Four 30-minute episodes billed as Castlevania Season 1 Part 1 will hit Netflix. An adaptation of the classic NES game Castlevania 3 Dracula's Curse with series producer Adi Shanker. Having remarked that the show will be done in the vein of Game of Thrones and be rated R as bleep. Whoa. R rated as bleep. <laughs> wow. that's That sounds cool, doesn't it? I'm all for it. Ready for- Castlevania will tell the tale of the last remaining survivor of a disgraced clan battling to save Eastern Europe from Dracula. Okay, Steven, I know you've been looking forward to this. Candy Crush on CBS, hosted by Mario Lopez. I know you've been excited about this, preppy. And this new new live game show version of Candy Crush, yes, you read that correctly, teams of two people use their wits and physical agility to compete on enormous interactive game boards featuring the next-generation technology, whatever that is. Ah, excited. Suits returns on USA. I don't watch that anymore, but I heard it's good. Salvation on CBS. Ooh, on July 12th, Stephen, Salvation is a suspense thriller that centers on a staggering discovery. An enormous asteroid is just six months away from colliding with Earth. Without alerting the public, MIT grad student Liam Cole and tech billionaire Darius Tans team up to save humanity from the impeding apocalypse. Keeping it secret will complicate life for Liam and those closest to him. Santiago Cabrera, Jennifer Finnegan, and Charlie Rowe star. Awesome. Love Think that's going to be any good? I that they got named stars for that. All right, Friends from College on Netflix. It premieres on July 14th. From Nick Stoller, the guy who did Neighbors and Neighbors Sorority Rising and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Wait, what did he have to do with Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Because I thought Jason Siegel wrote that. And Francesca Del Banco. This eight 
eight-episode series. Just a producer. Yeah. yeah. This eight-episode series features Keegan-Michael Key, Kobe Smulders, Annie Parisi, Nat Faxon, Fred Savage, and J. Sue Park. And tell Savage, thank goodness he found a I know. project. And tells the story of a group of friends who went to Harvard together and are now facing down their 40s and experiencing a range of success or lack thereof, both professionally and domestically. Did you ever watch The Grinder with Fred Savage and Rob Lowe? Uh-uh. Oh, that was such a good show. It got canceled after one season, but it was about Rob Lowe. Fred Savage was a lawyer. He was a lawyer, and his brother was Rob Lowe, a TV star who played a lawyer. And he decided he wanted to be a lawyer now that he retired from acting. And it, it was funny. It was a good show. Game of Thrones. Hmm, what's that? It premieres on July 16th. Show? Game of Thrones enters its final shortened two season endgame with an unusual summertime premiere. Production needed to shift so they could film in snowier settings. And a seventh season that only contains seven episodes. Just because we're nearing the end, though, doesn't mean there aren't new faces entering the mix. As Black Sales' Tom Hooper replaces Freddie Stroma as Decon Tarly, and Jim Broadbent arrives as Archmaester Marwin. Cool. Uh, I gotta say this about uh, Game of Thrones. It is a good show. Um, I fell behind on it, because Heather... We kind of gave up on it at the same time, but then she got back into it and started binge-watching it again. I was like, dude, what the hell, man? Why didn't you tell me? So I'm behind, but I just kind of started watching from where she did, so I missed like a big chunk of the season. But I got to say this about Game of Thrones. I know everyone loves it and stuff. I I cannot wait till this show is over. I don't want to see articles on it anymore. I don't want to hear about it anymore. I am so ready for game of thrones to be gone but i know you know hbo's like well we gotta have game of thrones so we're gonna do a spin-off so hopefully a couple of years pass by before i have to deal with that but it's like the walking dead i'm tired of hearing about it uh the strain steven i know i sound like a grumpy bastard but i am a grumpy old man ah, sick of game of thrones. Hey, i think it's a great show and i'll watch it and i'll get sucked into it but i'm just sick of all the game of thrones articles stuff that i've read before like look at these outfits you they're wearing kids in your game of thrones <laughs> the strain airs on fx only watched the first season, never caught up. You watched it, though, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm still watching it, yes. FX's The Strain enters its fourth and final season with a nine-month time jump as the world has fallen into darkness and the Strigoi are in control. The explosion at the end of season three triggered a global nuclear apocalypse. What? What is going on on this show? And he, he resulting... Wait, uh, typo here... And the resulting nuclear winter liberated the Strigoi, allowing them to move about during daytime and allowing the Master to establish a totalitarian regime. Lost Girls Jocelyn Houdon joins the final season as Abby, a young woman in a perilous circumstance who has to use all of her skills to try and survive in an upended world. Is the show a little ridiculous? Yeah, yeah. I I read that some people thought that they... Uh, what do they call it? They string things out too much. Like it gets good in like the last two episodes, yeah. but there's a lot of like boring lulls in the middle. Is like, that true? Like Walking Dead and all that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. On AMC is a show called Loaded. It premieres on July 17th. 
Loaded centers around the lives of Josh, Leon, Ewan, and Watto. Oh, Watto! He's a Toydarian! Who have just sold their startup video game company, Idle Hands, to Casey, played by Mary McCormick, for millions. And overnight, their lives change drastically. The 430-somethings must answer to their high-powered, no-BS boss, Casey, and are suddenly transformed from people who play games to serious players in the game. I, dude, is this Entourage with video game guys? Looks like. Loaded. I'll watch the first episode. What about you? Give it a shot. Shooter Returns with Ryan Philippe, where he plays the same character as, uh, what's that guy's name? Chris Kyle. Mark Wahlberg. No. <laughs> the Mark Wahlberg movie. You remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. So let me in the freaking house! Ozark on USA stars Jason Bateman, premieres on July 21st. Before Jason Bateman slips back into the role of Michael Bluth for a new season of Arrested Development, he's actually got a gritty drama headed our way with Ozark, as he plays the patriarch of the birds. That's husband and wife Marty and Wendy, and their teenage kids Charlotte and Jonah. Oh, and Marty's job? The top money launderer for the second largest drug cartel in Mexico. It's a gritty drama. Wow. Jason Bateman's in a gritty drama. That sounds intense. Ballers returns with The Rock, Steven. Never watched it. Midnight Texas on NBC <clears throat> on July 24th. Based on the book series of the same name by Charlene Harris. You know who she is, right, Steven? Yeah, I'm a big fan. Who also wrote the books that became HBO's True Blood. Midnight Texas stars Francois Arnold from the Bourgeois. Borgias <laughs> and Manfred, a charming, powerful psychic who can communicate with spirits who find safety in midnight, a town that sits on the veil between the living and hell. I don't think I'm going to drive through that part of Texas. Where is this Midnight Texas? Midnight is also home to creatures like witches, angels, vampires, werewolves, and other assorted oddities. Hmm. Sounds kind like, of like true, true blood. blood. <laughs> The Last Tycoon. Just in Texas, right next mm. to Louisiana. Yeah. True the Last life. Tycoon premiering on Amazon on July 28th. I remember the pilots on there if you want to watch it. From F. Scott Fitzgerald's last work, which celebrated its 75th anniversary last year, The Last Tycoon follows Hollywood's golden boy, Monroe Starr, played by Matt Bomer. As he battles father figure and boss Pat Brady, played by Kelsey Grammer, who's also Frasier. Ooh, Kelsey Grammer, I like him. Don't you, Steven? Mm-hmm. Kelsey Grammer is the angel of death. Oh, my God. And they battle for the soul of their studio. Lily Collins, who also stars as Celia Brady and noted Pulitzer Fitzgerald scholar A. Scott Berg, serves as consulting producer. So it's a, you know, it's a period piece and could be good. All right. On HBO, Room 104. Telling tales of the character who... Pat, wait, there's a lot of typos in this. <laughs> telling tales of the characters who pass through a single room of a typical American chain motel. The anthology series Room 104 begins its 12-episode season on July 28th from Mark and Jay Duplass. The show tells a different story each week, with the tone, the characters, and the era changing every time. Starring James Vanderbeek, Orlando Jones, and Amy Landecker, and more. Are they just in one episode, or do they keep coming back? They're 
probably. I wonder if they're the stars, then they're going to be the hotel keepers. That would be interesting. Oh, I'll just check that out. Rick and Morty returns on Adult Swim on July 30th. Rick and Morty totally on brand. Rick and Morty the hell out of everyone by unleashing the first episode of its third season this past April 1st as part of an April Fool's prank, airing it all night long every half hour. Now, after months of wondering, we finally know that the remainder of season season three will kick off on July 30th. So I think the rest of the list is August. Let me see. That's right. I will get into that next month, Stephen. But you see what's coming up on August 6th, don't you? Do you see it? I do. Should I tell people or should I just wait? Oh, it involves sharks and tornadoes. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Don't say any more than that. You'll give it away. Okay, Steven. Um, Marvel's Inhumans. The trailer hit this week. Did you get to see it? Would, would you like to see it? Sure. Let's check it out. Sooner or later, the humans are going to find us up here. You should have known this day was coming. supposed to follow our king and remain as silent as he is we need to go to earth now we've been hiding here too long let's go to our rightful home if we were on earth we would have a glorious planet to live on thrive on i'll set you for game of thrones your brother you're talking about treason you're blind to his intentions Right or wrong, he's dangerous. What I'm talking about is freedom. Freedom for all inhumans. Are you going to use your voice to kill your only brother? Stop it! Whoa, it's a big dog. Lockjaw. What the? <laughs> Astonishing new saga filmed in IMAX. That's what I think is hilarious. We're going to have to go see this in IMAX, Stephen. <laughs> we will not let anyone or anything stop us. We will create our destiny. Okay, fighting. Nothing oh, deep bass rumble. Haven't had that in a while. Inhumans. I can't tell what the hell is going on on the show, Stephen. <laughs> What do you think about that? Seems like... I like the big giant dog, Lockjaw. But um, I don't know if you noticed, there's a girl in there with really long red hair. Did you see that? A little bit, yeah. Well, concerns raised over Marvel's Inhumans and its portrayal of Medusa after the (laughs) trailer premiere. Now, Medusa is a character from the comics... She can manipulate her hair. Super-powered hair, I guess. Marvel's Inhumans is the next series to come from comic book publisher's television division. We know it's from Marvel. Just say that. Joining Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on NBC. The show got its first full-length trailer. I think they pad these stories with just, you know, crap. One thing stood out from the trailer, Stephen. That's Medusa's hair. 
Here's the thing about Medusa's hair. It's more than just something she keeps long for beauty reason reasons medusa's hair is inhumanly strong and is capable of stretching past its already considerable length medusa herself has complete mental control over the movement of every individual strand allowing her to perform feats of incredible strength as well as a fine motor control like lifting or smashing objects as well as using her hair as a whip lock pick rope and hundreds of extra hands okay i'll say right away stupidest thing i've ever heard <laughs> just ridiculous medusa's hair is her central superhero heroic characteristic that's why many fans thought it was crucial abc and marvel got it right except they didn't they got it so very wrong instead of being wild and untamed the wig that medusa can be seen sporting in the trailer is lifeless and flat it may seem innocuous, but fans of the comics were upset that more attention wasn't being paid to the character. Now, here's a sordid Twitter, people. You can do a talking raccoon, right? But you can't design a wig that doesn't look like a Halloween outlet store? I'll give one thing to the Inhumans trailer. Never have I seen a wig struggle as hard as Medusa's did in it. It was truly a feat. And another person said, the Inhumans would be okay if it was a universal university film project. Medusa is so bad, she looks like a basic attempt at cosplay. Wow. Ooh. They're really hating on this, aren't Bagged they? Bagged on the cosplayers. I will say this. It's a, it's, she's just standing there. Yeah. There will be CGI effects of her hair. Right. I, my problem is, it's just a ridiculous idea. I think very silly. So... You think she walks around everywhere with her hair, like her hair just like, like an octopus. Yeah, you know, it would just, just be... Of course it's going to sit still at times. So why wouldn't you just not what, control it and let it go? What I would have done is put... Dyed the actress's hair red or something. Or had it look like a normal hairstyle and then have it come to life in action scenes or whatever. Right. But it's, like, supposed to be real long or whatever. I don't know. The core issue people seem to have with the wig is that it makes Medusa look like a minor character, when in reality, she's a core member of the Inhumans. And humans will follow Marvel's royal family of sorts, focusing on a race of metahumans simply called Inhumans. Medusa is known for being one of the most intelligent and complex characters in the Inhumans race. Every bit the equal of her husband, the Mute King, Black Bolt. But her character, as seen in the trailer, doesn't carry that same vibrant effect. I get that he's mute because his voice is deadly. Yes. This could be written off as just an issue that comes with producing a trailer, but showrunner Scott Buck has specifically pointed out that Medusa's hair, while incredibly important, was a problem for the team. Getting the animation right and making it look as cool as possible, like artist Jack Kirby did in the comics, was tougher than they imagined, Buck told Entertainment Weekly. It is very difficult. Even now, it's still a process. It takes quite a long time and post to make the effect work. We have some of the best visual effects people available working on our show. We still haven't seen the, the final version of it. It's very much a work in progress. What that tells me right there is they couldn't show it on the trailer. They right. just showed it wasn't what the done. actress That's wore. Just... That's what the actress is wearing on the set when they film it. Right. But in post, it'll have life. You know? I think they shouldn't have shown her at all until they're ready. Maybe people right. are like, what is Medusa going to look like? 
Arguably the most egregious, Medusa's hair isn't the only facet of the trailer that fans took issue with. Many pointed out that considering Marvel is selling this as an IMAX-worthy production for the first couple of episodes, it should look infinitely better than it does right now. Marvel's Inhumans was originally slated to be a feature film, but Marvel confirmed last November that it was being made into a TV series instead. The show will premiere its first two episodes in IMAX on September 1st. It will then be carried over on September 29th on NBC. ABC. Jesus, Jason. All right. Um, I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. What do you think, Stephen? We'll see. Okay, Stephen. Are you aware of what Death Note is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yes, I did watch the trailer for this. All right. When Netflix first announced it was doing a live-action adaptation of the popular manga-turned-anime Death Note, fans were uneasy. Oh, is there anything other than uneasy fans? A new trailer for the movie hasn't done much to assuage those fears. Let's check it out, Steven. All the people that make life miserable... ...make life dangerous... Bullies. What if we can change things? Book falls from the sky. The human whose name is written in the stone shall die. Shall we begin? Porky man. (laughs) (laughs) It's Willem Dafoe's The Death God. Yes. What exactly can he I do? He looks creepy. He looks good. Put the thing down and see what happens. It's not going to solve a few crimes. It's going to solve all crime. Do you think that I'm crazy? I think you're not crazy enough. We could change the world. The killer has taken credit for over 400 deaths. Although we do not know how he kills his victims. We do know he's not some omnipotent force. He's a person. Like you or me. You're the one who flew into the sun. I'm just here to make sure you burn. We're not the good guys anymore. Hope you know what you're doing. I promise you, you will not survive. Whoa, this looks messed up. Look! Looks good, though. What they want is a god. So let's give it to them. Death Note. Well, let's find out what people are pissed off about, Steven. Please, tell me. Following the release of the trailer yesterday, people were quick to note just how different the direction of the film seemed to be in comparison to the original text it was being adapted from. Besides the fact that it features a majority white Western cast and is set in Seattle instead of Japan, Netflix's version of the movie, which is being directed by Adam Wingard, the guy who did The Guest and You're Next, looks more like an action film than a psychological thriller. Many of the scenes the trailer focuses on are thematically connected through the idea of destruction, a Ferris wheel falling, explosions in the middle of nowhere, and a sea of bodies left around the city. It doesn't stop there, though. 
And the Netflix adaptation, Light Turner, who went by Light Yagami, is a bullied teen who wants to seek revenge on those who make life miserable for others. He's an outsider who doesn't particularly fit into the world he's supposed to be a part of. He is, in every sense of the term, a stereotypical teen character in a movie about oddballs. Except that's not how Light is portrayed in the original manga. Creator Sugumi Oba imagined imagined Light as a straight-A dedicated high school student. Although Light didn't have many friends, he was in no way ostracized. Okay, guys, it's a trailer, okay? Just wait and see the friggin' thing. You got people getting on my nerves, Steven. Just watch the friggin' movie. Shut the hell up. (laughs) Right, Steven? Yes. Netflix is bringing the Defenders, Stranger Things, and more to Comic-Con. That's right, Stephen. Comic-Con is is very soon. Netflix announced plans to turn San Diego Comic-Con upside down. That's right. Stranger Things Season 2 and Marvel's The Defenders will have a big presence at the International Convention later this July alongside original film offerings Bright and Death Note, which we just talked about. Hey, what a coincidence. Two of the streaming giant's most lucrative properties are taking over Hall H, a space typically reserved for heavy hitters like Game of Thrones. Ooh, tell me more about Game of Thrones. The latest from Marvel and DC and ABC's The Walking Dead, Marvel TV head Jeff Loeb is bringing surprise... I don't think I'm doing this sentence justice. (laughs) Jeff Loeb, the head of Marvel TV, will bring surprise guests from the Defenders to the main stage. Could it be the cast? We can safely assume that means Kristen Ritter, Charlie Cox, Mike Coulter, and Finn Jones will be on hand since the announcement reads, Four iconic superheroes, one stage, nuff said. Though we already know an impressive list of new returning players, including Sigourney Weaver as the villain Alexandra, Netflix and Marvel will also be giving fans an exclusive look into the superhero team-up. Stranger Things cast and creators will then take Hall H on Saturday, July 22nd at 3 p.m. to screen never-before-seen footage of Season 2. Matt and Ross Duffer created the series, which will return with Millie Bobby Brown, Gatton Montarazzo, Winona Ryder, Finn Wolfhard, which is the greatest name ever, Finn Wolfhard, David Harbour, Charlie Heaton, Natalia Dyer, Noah Schnapp, Caleb McLaughlin, McLaughlin and Joe Keery, alongside newcomers like D- Darcy Montgomery, Sadie Sink, and Sean Astin. Repping Netflix's bride at the con will be director David Ayer, the guy who directed Suicide Squad, and his cast of Will Smith, Joel Edgerton, Numi Rapace, Lucy Fry, and Edgar Ramirez. The sci-fi film will take up a portion of the panel on Thursday with a sneak peek beyond what fans in the initial trailer saw. Though specific names weren't specified, the cast and filmmakers behind Death Note will compromise the other half of the panels with footage of their own. Adam Wingard, the director, helms the film based on the Japanese manga, which we established in the previous story. So basically, they're going to have a lot of Netflix stuff, all right? You you guys get it. Everybody get that, huh? Netflix Netflix has Hall H. So that's cool. They're treating it like, uh, you know, big deal. That's cool. All right, Steven, there's something I need to tell you. No. Spider-Man Homecoming is coming out very soon. And it will include a Valerian scene, a scene from the new Luke Besson movie. That's right. According to Deadline, 
Styx Films and Europacorp have revealed plans to show off the opening sequence of Luke Besson's sci-fi epic Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets ahead of some 3D and PLF showings of Spider-Man Homecoming starting Thursday, July 6th. The scene in question features the creation of the space station Alpha. This will occur in theaters that are part of chains including AMC, B&B Theaters, Cinemark, Imagine Entertainment, and Harkins Theaters, in addition to select regional circuits. In addition to the announcement, Styx STX dropped a new clip from Valerian that features Dane DeHaan's Valerian and Cara Delevingne Loreline arriving at the space station Alpha as they attempt to fight off an attack by the threat of attempting to destroy the cosmic locale. Take a look at the Valerian clip below. Delavigny. <laughs> yeah. Delavigny. Whoa, Welcome it looks so Alpha, spacey. The city Steven. of a thousand planets. There certainly are Alex, a lot of can planets. you update us? I'd be delighted to. The Alpha Station has grown 7% this year. And since it left the terrestrial orbit, it has traveled almost 700 million miles. Population? Almost 30 million. 3,236 species from the four zones of the universe live on Oh my god, is Ruby Rod in this, Steven? 5,000 languages spoken. Oh, Luke Besson, why'd you do that? All right, this is an exciting clip. Wow, I get to see that for Spider-Man? Ooh, I think it's supposed to be like people see it in 3D. it's a better clip than that. That's not the clip they're showing. I I hope not, but we're supposed to see amazing 3D and then want to go see the movie when it comes out. It's based on a French comic, Stephen, and it opens July 21st. Which you won't get to see the 3D till 10.30. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to go see it in the middle of the night. Star Trek Discovery will kill off main characters. That's right, Stephen. Just like The Walking Dead, no one is safe on Star Trek. Well, I wonder who they'll kill. Tasha Yar, maybe? (laughs) No. uh, (laughs) Jason Isaac? Scotty. Scotty? What do you mean? No, no, no. This is the TV show. Oh, Discovery. Yeah, Sorry. no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm in Star Trek. Sorry. Star Trek Discovery has already announced plans to go boldly go where no Star Trek has gone before, Steven. Because I was thinking of the young kid. By breaking with Gene Roddenberry's no-conflict mandate and exploring the interpersonal problems between Starfleet members. But now the series is setting its sights on another undiscovered country main character deaths the news comes from showrunner gretchen j berg and aaron harbarts harbarts who have said that the current television landscape has influenced the show so main characters will be in danger and that may prove fatal game of thrones cha- oh jesus do you see why i don't want the show mentioned anymore steven here's my problem with game of thrones i'll say it right now Everything references Game of Thrones. Every show I watch references Game of Thrones. Every mystery well, science theater is a lot like Game of Thrones. <laughs> every <No! laughs> every every mystery science theater, the new season, they have a Game of Thrones joke, like in every episode. Every Rift Tracks is a Game of Thrones joke. Everybody watches Game of Thrones. Everybody references Game of Thrones. I'm sick of it. I don't want it anymore. So anyway, just like Game of Thrones changed television. They almost made it difficult to fall in love with people because you didn't know if they were going to be taken away from you. That show had an influence on all TV dramas that have come after it. 
It does not, however, seem like Star Trek Discovery will turn into a bloodbath or host a red wedding anytime soon. <laughs> Death isn't treated gratuitously. Was there a red wedding in Game of Thrones? Oh, yes. Okay. On this show. It's not for shock value, but when it happens, we want to make sure that people really feel it. And again, I don't want this to reflect on the fact that the show Game of Thrones isn't good. It is. It's the fact that Everybody has to mention it. Everybody likes it. It's mainstream. And I guess maybe that gets on my nerves after a while. I don't know. Characters have died in different iterations of Star Trek before. Tasha Yar from The Next Generation. Dax on Deep Space Nine. uh, Kess on Voyager. And Trip Tucker from Enterprise. Oh, spoiler alert! He dies? Aww. They all died in the respective shows. However, with the exception of Tucker, who perished in the series' final episode, all those deaths occurred because of issues behind the scenes. Main characters from the original series have died as well. The death and the resurrection of Spock. What? Spock died, Steven? Oh my god! Just kidding, I knew that. Were motivating factors behind several of the movies based on the series. Captain Kirk also died in Star Trek Generate. What? When did it? I'm just kidding. I don't know. Which follow the cast for the next year. How However, it seems that Discovery will be the first series to make the deaths of its main characters always possible and to kill those characters off for story reasons over the course of the series or just to uh, for the shits and giggles of it. And the United Luke Picard died in Logan. <laughs> Steven, spoiler, come on! Uh, <laughs> oh my God, Steven. How could you do that? Make it so. Uh, so anyway, how will... He's dead, Jim. In the United States, Star Trek Discovery debuts Sunday, September 24th on CBS before moving to CBS All Access streaming service for the follow-up weekly installments. In Canada, the series debuts on CTV. Why? Do- I don't really care. I don't care. Shut <laughs> Right. Right, Steven? I really told that thing off, didn't I? They better play them all back-to-back somewhere. You coward. Whoa, what did you say, Jean-Luc Picard? How dare you, sir? You were the other man. I would kill you where you stand. Oh, my God. All right, Stephen, the Batman. Warner Brothers really excited about Matt Reeves' idea. As you know, he's going to direct it. After an initial stumble during negotiations for Reeves to succeed Batman, Ben Affleck behind the camera. I almost called him Bat Affleck. <laughs> Although he's repeatedly cautioned in recent weeks that the film is the earliest stages of development, the director pulled back the curtain ever so slightly in an interview addressing his view of the Dark Knight and in the enthusiasm of the studio for his vision. What I see in Batman that I find so interesting is that, in a way, he reminds me of Caesar in, you know, Planet of the Apes, and that he is a character with I a really... he's a character with a troubled past who is grappling within himself to try and do the right thing in a really imperfect world in a corrupt world reeves told variety that provides an opportunity again if you want to take that point of view storytelling and i can't imagine the story as being like a noir the originals from the golden age were detective stories i think if you can marry that with personal there's a chance to do something very exciting Addressing the rough start to his relationship with Warner Brothers, he said, let's put it this way. I've never worked with him, but my experience so far is really good, and I describe what I want to do. They seem really excited. So it's the beginning of a journey. 
All right, so this is a worthless story I clicked on. Ah, oh, am I right? Oh my God, Steven. You. <laughs> I need a drink before I die. Help me. Okay, Stephen, did you know Sense8 got canceled on Netflix yes, and people are really upset? It's got a very diverse cast. People love it. They canceled it. People started letter writing campaigns. They started sending things to Netflix. Please bring it back. The problem with the show is it costs about $9 million an episode to produce. They film it all over the world. It's one of the most expensive series like compared to another show on TV. That's really expensive. Guess which show is really expensive to produce? Guess which show, Stephen? Well, I'm trying to think. What would? Yeah, be? what show have I mentioned repeatedly? <laughs> Netflix has finally come to its sensates senses. Don't do jokes, guys. Co-creator Lena Wachowski took to Facebook on Thursday to share a very important update on the fight to save the canceled series, announcing that there will be another two-hour special released next year, which will reveal what happens to Wolfgang. Awesome! Fans of the science fiction drama raised holy hell when Netflix gave it to The Axe earlier this month, and a recent update in which Netflix confirmed that it would not bring back the series, did not raise their spirits. Even cast member Brian J. Smith lamented the show's cancellation a few weeks ago, telling the fans that he would always consider it an unfinished symphony. Your thoughts on Netflix's unexpected change of heart? What do you hope to see in a two-hour special? Lana Wachowski said this, Dear Sensate family, I have been meaning to write this letter for some time. The outpouring of love and grief that came in the wake of the news that Sensate would not be continuing was so intense that I often found myself unable to open my own email. I confess I fell into a fairly serious depression. I had never worked so hard or put so much of myself into a project as I had with Sense8, and its cancellation hollowed me out. I felt the disappointment of my amazing crew. I wish people could understand the impossibilities they achieved with implausible regularity. I felt the sadness of the actors who had given so much of themselves, always finding more whenever the sun broke from the clouds. But most of all, I felt the heartbreak of our fans. Again, I wish I could cluster with you to share some of the beautiful moments, the hugs, tears, and laughter, as well as the insightful and humbling conversations I have had with people who have connected to the show. They are unlike any fans I have ever encountered as an artist. Friends kept calling from all over the world asking, isn't there anything you can do? And the truth was no. By myself, there was nothing I could do. But just as the characters in our show discovered that they are not alone, I too have learned that I am not just a me. I am also a we. The passionate letters, the petitions, the collective voice that rose up like the fist of the sun to fight for the show was beyond what anyone was expecting. In this world, it is easy to believe that you cannot make a difference. That when a government or an institution or a corporation makes a decision, there is something irrevocable about the decision. But love is always less important than the bottom line. But here is a gift from the fans of the show that I will carry forever in my heart. While it is often true those decisions are irreversible, it is not always true. And probably, unforeseeably, your love has brought Sense8 back to life. I could kiss every single one of you. It is my great pleasure as well as Netflix's. Believe me, they love the show as much as we do, but the numbers have always been challenging. To announce that there will be another two-hour special released next year. 
After that, if this experience has taught me anything, you never know. Thank you all. Now let's go find out what happens to Wolfgang. Signed, Lana. I think that's really cool. I started the first season. I was really digging it. And mm-hmm. something happened. A video game came out or something where I stopped watching it. And I could. I just need to pick up. It's a good show. It's crazy how all these people are linked. And obviously they find each other eventually. And I haven't gotten that far. And I really want to see that. But when it got canceled, it really bummed me out. I was like, oh, man. Uh, especially that it left off on a cliffhanger, which is the worst when a show gets canceled yeah. on a cliffhanger. Uh, so it's great that they're bringing it back for two hours. Like to... the sci-fi show we watched. Yeah. What show is that? Uh, were they... Uh... It powered the... the re... No, as I say, retarded kid, but... The... Steven, what the heck? The... Uh no, I'm, I'm. Yeah, you do the the old guy retarded. <laughs> like yeah, you do. Yes, you do. What show? Wait, please explain. Who's in it? The guy that could see the numbers. Oh, Alphas. Alphas. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, Stephen. I have one final story, and you we must hear this as audio. So check this out. This is uh, Stephen Dew, and now a Mulberry News Break. And now a Mulberry News Break. Ooh, what's this? Hot off the press. Corey Feldman is famous for his roles in 80s films like The Goonies and Stand By Me, but he's also a musician who's taken his act on the road this summer with his Heavenly Tour. While performing at a concert in Milwaukee on Wednesday night, Corey accidentally hit his mouth on the microphone and knocked out his tooth. In a grainy video posted by the Milwaukee Record, here's a replay of the moment it happens. Oh, well, that's awkward. Ouch, that looked like it hurt. Come now, on, Corey you walked go off the, the stage momentarily to deal with his injury before returning to tell the audience what happened. I smashed myself in the face and my tooth came out. We're going to try to find it. At the concert, Corey then spent a decent amount of time looking for the dislodged chomper. Fortunately, a fan near the front of the stage found the tooth and returned it to him. However, the professional Corey continued to perform after the incident. This is the latest in a string of odd gigs for Corey. His eccentric performance of Go For It last September on the Today Show went viral and was widely panned on social media. That was gold. Thank you, Stephen, for suggesting that story. Uh, that I was all that nice. It's got to go on the show. Well, Stephen, that's our last news story. So you know what that means? It's time for rotten tomatoes or tomatoes. You say either. I say either. You say neither. And I say neither. Either, either, and either, neither. Let's call the whole thing off. Yes, you like potato, and I like potato. You like tomato, I like tomato. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. I like stale tomato juice. Now, Stephen, we know that Baby Driver came out uh, actually this Wednesday, 
that's mainly why I saw it early. I was like, it's out already. <laughs> Sorry. Another movie came you out want me today. To wait three days to see it with Steven. No. A movie called The House. That's right, Steven. I will describe the movie for you. Andrew J. Cohen directs this romp about a mother and father who blow their daughter's college fund and start an illegal casino in their basements to recoup the losses. Okay, without knowing who's in this, does that sound like a funny premise? No. <laughs> you know who's in I it. I do. <laughs> Will Ferrell is in this. Amy Poehler, Jason Mantzoukas, Nick Kroll, Allison Tolman, and Michaela Watkins. Okay? Currently, 33 reviews counted. There could be more. That's not very many. Five fresh, 28 rotten. Okay, let's read one of these reviews by Rafer Guzman of Newsday. He says, It's all meant to be wild and crazy, but somehow it just seems simultaneously nasty and dull. I give it a one out of four. Wow. Katie Walsh of the Los Angeles Times says, Instead of writing actual characters, they've hired a gaggle of beloved comedians to do bits based on a stereotype and persona and have concocted a cockamamie suburban crime story that managed to be both bizarre and incredibly thin. This movie sucks. Oh, wow. Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun-Times says, There's more character development. And more believable plot turns in a typical Saturday Night Live sketch. <laughs> oh, what do you think of that, Stephen? I believe Richard Roper's probably right. Yeah. Well, Ignati Vizanovsky, Ign Ign Ignati says of the AV Club. The pace is hectic, but the jokes just aren't there. D. All right. Well, he earned his paycheck. Jordan Hoffman of the New York Daily News says, Broad comedies are always something of a roll of the dice. And while the house isn't an absolute disaster, it's undeniable that this is one that's crapped out. I give it a two out of five, and don't you love my pun? No, I didn't. Emily Yoshida says, all these performers are given decent setups, but the script loses interest in anything that starts to look like a comedic through line. I give it zero stars, and I'm quitting the business. Oh my god. I've lost faith in humanity. I'm going to kill myself. Well, let's lead up. Let's uh, read a good review. Nicolette Lennox of RTE Ireland says... The house isn't a classic, but it's enjoyable. Three out of five. Oh, hey. Should go see it then. Abby White of Vox says, Well, there's nothing uh, directly humorous about the struggle to pay for college. It's, you know, it's a struggle for many Americans and people all over the world. But uh, the house does what good comedy does. It uses humor as a coping mechanism. I give it a 3.5 out of 5 and shall suggest it on my students list of films to watch in the upcoming year. Oh, wow. It's crazy, Stephen. Well... Julie Washington of the Cleveland Plain Dealer says, We've laughed at Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler in lots of movies. Well, Stephen hasn't. But audiences <laughs> will barely <laughs> chuckle at their latest film. The house is a hot mess of lame jokes and lame writing. Wow. Big hot mess. 
That's right. Simon Thompson, or is that Thompson? Thompson or Thompson, Stephen? Thompson. Of IGN Movies says, It's as smart as it is stupid. It's very entertaining. It delivers on what you'd expect to it, and it holds a few neat surprises. In a summer that has so far mostly failed to deliver when it comes to comedy, this is a big step in the right direction. Wow! 8 out of 10! It's a tour de force. Um, Epic Lady Sponge the Adventurer, which is a audience reviewer, says, Don't be hoping for this film to be one of the greatest they have all ever pulled out, because by view, you were only looking at its poster and or trailer, which otherwise looks better than the film itself. One star. Wow, that's great writing there, isn't it? Did you understand any of that? No. That's very confusing. I don't understand. Well, Stephen, I saw a film called Baby Driver. Oh, you didn't. <laughs> I was waiting for you, Stephen, but you said you didn't want to see it, didn't you? I thought oh. I thought the text. I thought, okay, Baby Driver, 187 reviews counted, 182 fresh, but what's this? Five rotten. Now, I've told you the film is good, but I want to see why these people, <laughs> the poor dog... I want to see why these people don't like it. I'm going to read only the bad reviews of Baby Driver, Stephen, because there are a lot of really good... I'm having to look for these bad ones. I've gone through... This is like page three. Terry Staunton, as I spit on my monitor, Terry Staunton of Radio... (laughs) 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 Sorry, Stephen. I didn't mean to disgust you. Sorry. Well... Terry Staunton of Radio Time says... The disjoint, the disjointed. All right, let me start this over. Terry Staunton of the Radio Times says the disjointed plot of this fast and spurious jaunt frustrates me at every corner taken in fifth gear. I give it a two out of five. <laughs> wow. Well, they didn't like it, Stephen. All right. I want to see his review of the last Twin Peaks. Then I know. <laughs> Deborah Ross of The Spectator says, The car chase movie reinvented? I think not. Maybe, but it just hasn't been reinvented enough. <laughs> what? Well. I don't understand. All right, let's 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 hunt for that other bad review, Stephen. There's five of them. Michael oh, Heaton of The Cleveland Plain Dealer. What is he, like a blackjack dealer or something? I don't understand. He's just a plane dealer. Deals planes, airplanes. The music helps distract viewers from the fact that they... Wait, why do these people sound the same? i got to change this up, right? The music helps distract viewers from the fact that they have no emotional investment in any of these characters or the story itself. I give it a C+. Wait a second. A C+, that's a passing grade. Yeah, that should be a, a That's fresh. fresh. I mean, he's saying it's not perfect, but C-plus means it's good, doesn't it? D or less. I mean, if you're going by the grading system as everyone thinks of it, C-plus is not a failing grade, people. What the hell? Adam Graham of the Detroit News says, Baby Driver is savvy about pop music and pop culture, and it has a number of thrilling car chases sequences, I guess, if you like that sort of thing. But these are side items, not main courses, and you can't put dessert before the meal. It winds up driving in circles. I give it a C. Again, a C! 
I mean, he doesn't sound like he liked it, but a C, he should have given it a D, right? If, if it was rotten, it would be a D. All these people sound alike, don't they? They just sound grumpy. The final bad review was that for... I think so. Anthony Lane of The New Yorker says, The regrettable truth is that baby's a dull boy. <laughs> Oh, hey, why aren't you laughing? <laughs> oh, hello? Is this thing on? Anthony <laughs> Or is it Anthony Lamb? <laughs> I just wanted to see how long I could do that laugh. Hello? Jeffrey M. Anderson says, an exciting, gleeful movie, 3.5 out of 4. Matt Priggy of Metro says, arrives like the cavalry to save our depressingly franchise-heavy summer movie season. So 3.5 out of 4 would be a C+. Plus. Yeah, that is and passing. Fresh. Just what you want from summer movies, says Maura McDonald, 3.5 out of 4. I guess because it's a four instead of a five, it's passing. It's more than a C. It's a B, right? Jay Olson of Cine Mixtape says, put up against Wright's earlier work, it wilts. 3.5 out of five. What? Is that a bad review? Sounds like it. Kevin Lally of Film Journal International says, fueled by a retro soundtrack and an anarchic, anarchic, and anarchic, and the spirit, Baby Driver is like drive on speed. Oh, that's what somebody who can't really you know, be descriptive says. Ryan is savvy enough to realize that suspense and tension require characters that are more than human figures in a CGI playground. He does just enough with the men and women populating Baby Driver for us to get a sense of who they are. James Barrera Darinelli gives it a 3.5 out of 4. Barrera Darinelli, Stephen. All right. Let's read one more review. What do you say? I want to read a review that just goes apeshit over this movie. Harvey S. Carton of CompuServe. Who knew CompuServe reviewed movies, Stephen? Not me, sir. Probably the best film in cinema history whose plot is driven by a young man's tinnitus. I dare any other studio to have a better soundtrack this year. A minus. Oh, I thought it was going to be an A plus. Okay, here we go. One more. Terry White of Empire Magazine. An awe-inspiring piece of filmmaking. Wait, Empire is that British paper? Is that an awe-inspiring piece of yes, filmmaking from Edgar Wright? Sweet, funny, and utterly original. You won't see a film like it this year. Five out of five. There you go. <laughs> now that's a review, baby. They liked it, baby driver. What do you think of that, Stephen? I like it. I like it. <laughs> Oh man, my voice! I'm losing my voice, uh, Stephen. Uh, 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 Oakjaw, that came out on Netflix. Huh? That looks interesting. Despicable Me, Stephen. Did you see it? No, but I I watched the first two. Emma said she's over it. 
She goes, I'm over it. Three is too many. And they showed a trailer before the movie to Pitch Perfect 3. Have you ever seen any of those? No. The girl singer. And I go, Emma, you want to see that? She goes, no, three is too many. I was like, wow, she's not into trilogies. <laughs> three is too many. I love it. Um, and she will not like any of the Friday the 13th. <laughs> Reviews counted. 119. Fresh 75. 44. Rotten. Adam Graham of Detroit News says, Despicable Me 3 has some laughs, but not enough to prop up what feels like a flagging franchise. I give it a C, which is a passing grade in school, but not for me as a film critic. Oh, okay. He kind of explained it there, didn't he? Kate Taylor says, By midpoint, the movie, which is directed by three different people, which is ridiculous, franchise regular Pierre Coffin gets help from Eric Goulian and Kyle Balda, and it's dragging badly. I give it a two out of four, and too bad I don't have two friends to also review it with me and give it a bad review, too. I'm out of here. And she's getting in her car and leaving right now. Bill Goody Koontz... Wait, excuse me? Bill Goody Koontz. That's probably the greatest name I've ever heard. Goody Koontz. Of the Arizona Republic says, There are a mix of many ideas. None fully realized, so what the heck. Just toss them all in there, see what sticks. 2.5 out of 5. All right, guys, that was... Let's read Rotten Tomatoes! I did want to mention Oakjaw for a second. This looks like such an interesting movie. It's directed by Bong Joon-ho, the guy who did uh, a certain film called... What, Stephen? I don't know. For idyllic years, young Mija has been caretaker and constant companion of Oakjaw a massive animal and even bigger friend at her home in the mountains of South Korea. But that changes when a family-owned multinational conglomerate, Mirando Corporation, takes Oakjaw for themselves and transports her to New York, where image-obsessed and self-promoting CEO Tilda Swinton has big plans for Mija's dearest friend. With no particular plan but single-minded and intent, Mija sets out on a rescue mission. But her already daunting journey becomes even more complicated when she crosses paths with a disparate group of capitalists, demonstrators, and consumers, each battling to control the fate of Oakjaw. While all Mija, this is a long description, wants to do is bring her friend home. Deathly blending genres, humor, poignancy, and drama, Bong Joon Ho of Snowpiercer and the host. Begins with the gentlest of premises, the bond between man and animal, and ultimately creates a distinct and layered vision of the world that addresses the animal inside us all. Oakjaw as Plan B Entertainment, Lewis Pictures, and Kate Street Company production and associated with enough... <sighs> I can't talk anymore. It's rated NR. It's not rated. It stars Tilda Swinton, Paul Dano, Seo Hyun Ha... And Stephen Yeun and Lily Collins. Looks good. Okay, Peter Rayner of the Christian Science Monitor says the best parts of this movie are also the least wacky B-. David Sims of The Atlantic says it's a sublime tale. It's a sublime tale of the value of humanity and the horrors we often have to suffer through to hold on to that. Hold on. I'll read it in a second after I'm done crying. Oh, my God. He couldn't even review it. He was busy crying, Stephen. Zach Schoenfield of Newsweek says, 
It's a testament to Bong's sprawling ambition that Oakjaw managed to be so many things at once. A caustic satire of corporate evil. An intercontinental action-adventure epic of a coming-of-age narrative for a girl. Andrew Lapin of NPR says, The film shares Bong's casual ping-ponging of tones, his fascination with picking at society's many scabs, and the way his films frequently skid into violence and cruelty without warning. Sounds very intriguing and interesting. I think I have this graphic novel. Really? It's based on a graphic novel? Now, I have seen Snowpiercer, but I haven't seen the host. And he is an incredible visualist of a director. Ken Preventure said in the chat room, I think I missed the Twin Peaks discussion. I'll catch up with it later then. Ken, we had a long Twin Peaks discussion, so (laughs) fear not. You will hear it played back, son. Sir, son? son, what the hell? Where did that come from? Good sir, <laughs> good son, <laughs> I'm not old, son. Oh, okay. Well, uh, Ken, think you joined us just in time because that's it, guys. That's our episode of the show. And I wanted to just mention one thing, Stephen. Uh, free this month on Xbox Gold was. Watch Dogs, a film that's been, he said, thanks, old man, <laughs> was a <laughs> show that's been out. I mean, it was a game that's been out for a while now, right? Right. But it's free. I love open world games like Grand Theft Auto, that kind of thing. So why not play it, right? Right. So I s- downloaded it and I started playing it. I played it the last two days. Didn't really get the hang of it. Was kind of half interested. Today, I finally got into it. I started preventing crimes. I took down a gang in a parking garage. That was fun because you can take over cameras and stuff and set different electronic things off to attract them. And I took them out one at a time with a uh, uh, not a sniper rifle, a gun with a silencer, and then eventually opened up on them. So the combat is good it's i think it's better than grand theft auto the way you control guns and stuff okay i think it's uh uh i like driving one thing that drives me nuts is every single human in the game walking around if i drive even like five feet away from them they go oh like jump out of the way i'm just like i'm not even close to you you know or they'll go watch it jerk and i'm like i'm i'm in the street you're on the sidewalk what the hell it seems to trigger too much but it is interesting because you know the game is influenced by Grand Theft Auto, but they're doing their own thing. It's about taking over, hacking phones, surveillance systems and stuff. And I haven't really gotten majorly into the storyline. I found out that my sister, the character, had, she someone called her threatening her. And so I follow that guy and take him down and then find out he's been hired by somebody. How much of the game did you play of Watch Dogs? I don't remember. I mean... Did you not finish the game? No, no, no. no. Did you play, like, days, a week at it, or a couple of... Like, one sitting, or... Several sittings. A couple sittings, yeah. But you weren't intrigued enough to finish it? I I got uh, sidetracked with other things, you know? Yeah, that happens. I understand that. For instance, I've been playing... uh, the game Injustice 2, which is a fighting game with DC heroes, which is a lot of fun. 
But I was like, I want to play an open world game. It's free and it, it expires in the first where I can't get it anymore. So I d- thought I would download it. So I'll get back to that. But yeah, it's fun probably. playing. I've been getting into it. Yeah, I think when I first bought it, that was one of the first games I bought for mm-hmm. it. Uh, it was like on sale pretty cheap. Oh, uh, right when the Xbox One came out? Yes. Now, Watch Dogs 2, I've heard, is mu- even better. It's much better I game. I see what I have. Mm-hmm. What did I tell you? It's like the gold edition or something. I can't remember. That's probably, they have DLCs that come out where you can pay extra. But if you get the gold edition or whatever, that means you get the DLCs downloaded when they come out. But, uh, yeah, that's that's our show, guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you in just a second. Thank you. Good night. Here all week, try the veal. And everybody that was episode 41 of entertainment landfill news we've done 41 etl newses i can't tell you how many podcasts we've done it's impossible to count them i don't know but guys thank you so much for listening to the show if you would visit etlandfill.com there you could find links to our old shows especially if you click on show archive and get them all the way back to episode one steven Believe no, it or not. Really? Insanity. Also, if you would, join our ETL fan club on Facebook. There you can talk to us and stuff like that. Follow us on Twitter. Our links are there. What well, I'm having problems with burping tonight, Stephen. <laughs> I, 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 I think I got into Assassin's Creed. Oh, yeah. I remember you playing that. Yeah. Black Flag, the I, pirate I, one. I, I liked, uh, I liked uh, killing people in it. <laughs> did you play Black Flag, the pirate one? Because that was... I did. Uh, it's uh, Assassin's Creed Three, whichever one three. Was. Oh, okay. Because I played the Black Flag one that was with pirates, and that was a lot of fun. It's a huge game, and some aspects of it would get on my nerves. Like you have to follow somebody without them following you. If they get too far, the mission ends, and I'd be like, "Damn it!" Yeah, yeah. You know, stuff like that. You're following them in Cuba. Yeah, you have to follow them, and it drives you crazy because you can't keep up. Or if they can see you, they can see you. Duck down, and now they're too far. Catch back up and jump in the hay barrel. Uh, yeah, yeah. But guys, go to patreon.com slash landfill. There you can support Entertainment Landfill by, coming, by becoming a patron for up to... For just, <laughs> I can't talk. For as little as one dollar, one dollar supports the show, and it would be amazing, guys. Uh, also, if you become a patron for up to five dollars per month, you can get exclusive shows like the Jstrom Movie Companion Podcast. I've done one episode of Dark Man, but for a dollar, you can gain access to exclusives like ETL Patron Update, but also stuff like. Dead Ahead, the audio novel that I did five episodes of. Huh? <laughs> also, we have a lot of exclusive patron-only shows. There's about 14 in all, I believe, but you guys can get access to those. But also, you will be supporting Entertainment Landfill, and I'd very much appreciate that, guys. Uh, it keeps the show going, and it motivates me, too, knowing that there's patrons. That keeps me wanting to do the show. 
But guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I appreciate it. We'll be back soon, and we will talk all about Baby Driver. Right, Steven? Yes, sir. And hopefully we'll get Bill on the show because I know he liked Baby Driver a lot. But guys, thank you so much. Ken, I can't wait till you get to see Baby Driver, son. And (laughs) I still don't understand how that popped out of me. Why did I say son? I don't know. Yeah. You're a grumpy old man. Yeah, I am a grumpy old man, Steven. You son of a bitch. Okay, guys. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that was Jack Bauer, not me. Guys, uh, what are you waiting for? Get out there, go see Baby Driver, watch some Twin Peaks, go play some video games, and we'll what, Steven? We'll see you next time. I got nothing. Yeehaw, that's it guys, that's the show. It's free, so don't be too critical. Ha ha ha, check you laters. Now this is podcasting.